Yeah, in answer to your question, yeah, it's okay to record uh, this conversation. Obviously, it's not a sermon, but I should probably still... Uh, yeah, I think it'd be a good idea to just say that uh, I can't give permission to to promulgate or publish this uh, just because those are the kind of restrictions I'm living under. Next question. Yeah, good examples in these kind of situations. Yeah, All the Martyrs, a, a really great book that certainly is online. I don't know if it's being published right now, but Victories of the Martyrs by St. Alphonsus. And so he's got all kinds of vignettes. So there, there'd be like one to, to three or four pages on the lives of different martyrs. And you can see this. And his explanations, because it's a doctor of the church, just the first couple of chapters, even if one couldn't get the, but the importance of the martyrs, that would be fantastic to read because you can see the different kind of things they're suffering for. And that's one of the things that I, anybody could meditate on fruitfully. As you say, all these thousands and millions of people that have died for the faith and died for any particular truth in the faith. And they saw how that it was worth dying for. And then you can stop and ask yourself, do I see this as worth dying for? Would I be willing to die for any single one of the truths in the creed? And if not, why not? And if not, then I better pray for that grace. Because what is wrong with me? My faith is so weak. What, what is so important about my life? Nobody gets out of this booger alive. Why don't I see that? Because if I don't see that, I better start praying till I do see that. Because my faith is very weak. And yet I would, I would not hesitate to say that that's pretty much standard as people wouldn't. And, you know, that's why the martyrs are so important. And I would, I would beg them for that. At every Mass, this is something I heard Father John Harden say in a recording, I think I was a seminarian when I heard it, but he said at the elevation of the precious blood, you should ask for the grace to live as a martyr. You know, God gives the grace of dying as a martyr to whom he will. But if you ask for that at every elevation, you'll get it. And to live as a martyr, a martyr is a faithful witness. They're being faithful and witnessing to the truths of the church. And that's what we have to have is faithfulness. So we need this really solid grounding in the faith. And so many people don't have it. They can't, they, they open the Bible and they they tee-hee and ha-ha, and, and like they're smarter than God. It, it's just so unbelievable and so standard. And I'm not just talking about the priests. Well, if we're going to be like that, you know, nobody does that to their father, and then they do it to God. If God said so, then that's the way it is. I don't have to understand everything. You know, have some humility. But uh, the martyrs are so important. So with God in Russia... Father Chizik, this Jesuit, and he leadeth me. Those two books, especially he leadeth me, because that's his spiritual book. Here's a man, he's a, from Pennsylvania, coal country, and he's a Jesuit, and he volunteers for the Russian missions. And so then he he goes into Russia, he gets captured basically right away, put, put in Luvianka prison, most horrible prison in Moscow, this KGB prison, you know, all this torture. He's in there, I think, five years. And then he, uh, then he, off to Siberia, I guess. And, uh, he's finally liberated. So he's, I don't remember, it's 20 some years, roughly. And then, and then he's, he's liberated and he comes back in the 60s on some kind of exchange. But He Leadeth Me is a fantastic book where one can read, like, cause he's talking about exactly how do you deal with it when he's in this situation in an atheistic, 
communistic, well, we're going into a communistic regime. That's what's going on. Fatim was, you know, like a big surprise at Fatim's uh, unfolding before eyes. So with God in Russia, there's another one, dramatically different in many, many ways, because he's not a prisoner, but it's in the shadow of his rings. And I can't remember the name of the, this is a German priest. He was a Franciscan seminarian during the Third Reich. And then he gets drafted into the Waffen-SS. And it's absolutely amazing. Uh, and he even gets in Himmler's face. Absolutely amazing book. He leadeth me. So that one. And that's very encouraging too, because you see the absolute importance of sticking your principles come what may. It's if, And you see the power of prayer. There's a lot of very important lessons in that. So with God in Russia, he leadeth me. I would recommend those. Another thing to think about is the Chinese church. The underground church in China, you get good information from the Cardinal Kung Foundation, K-O-N-G, the Cardinal Kung Foundation, and read about it. There's an approved apparition of Our Lady some years ago that appeared to thousands of them and encouraging them and all that. These people have been suffering now since the 1940s. 1949, I think. You know, so they've suffered our Mao Zedong and all these communist stuff, and right now, unbelievably suffering. And they've been suffering for union with the church. That there was a Chinese Patriotic Association. It's like one. I think it's either the last encyclical or the second to last encyclical written by Pius the Twelfth. And it's about the situation over there because there were bishops consecrated against the will of the Pope, and so they, the Chinese had actual bishops consecrated, and then they're agents of the state. By the way, that's very interesting because that's a typical communist thing, it, but it's a, one of the heirs of the Russia because orthodoxy, in its sense, has the, the, the bishops be tools of the regime. And so that's a, one of the spiritual heirs of Russia. You see it right now there, and you see it in America because we've just seen this this incredible spectacle, and this is just a parenthetical remark, where the bishops basically are the enforcers of the regime. They've been more strict and over-the-top vis-a-vis all these COVID restrictions and all that than anyone, shutting things down and so forth. I mean, to a man. I don't know if there was a bishop in this country that didn't do it. There might be, and I'm very happy to be corrected. So I'm not trying to say to speak out of line or whatever. But when I saw that, I just was like, well, there we are. Error of Russia. Principal error of Russia right here is... Uh, this uh, the the regime is going to make these kind of demands on on the sacrifice offered to God, and, and so we see that right before our very eyes. I'm certainly not accusing them of being the exact equivalent of the Chinese Patriotic Association bishops. That's not my point. I'm just pointing out spiritually you, you have the same phenomenon. So anyway, in China, so you have this above ground church, and for you know for years it's been aided by uh, by things like. Uh, the Jesuits and Mary Nollers taught them how to say the new mass, and they'd have their guys over here going to our seminaries and so forth. And these are communist regime type ones. Well, the underground church is down there suffering, you know, and saying mass, kneeling in in, uh, in the snow in a dump, stuff like that. There was one of their seminaries was in a barn, and they that guys would go there and they'd stay there five years, and priests would wander by and come in and go out, you know, and they'd go through and they'd get ordained, and they know they'd. They're going to spend most of their life with Lao Gai, which is their their system of prison camps and so forth. Anyway, they've suffered. So they're spiritually the healthiest particular church in our day and age. Those people have paid the price for union with Christ. And now their suffering has been increased because they have done all this for union with the Pope. 
And now the Pope has, has said uh, that the communist bishops, he's recognized them. And these are, they've supported the one-child policy. Uh, they're, they're definitely, it's just, you know, it's spectacular. Anyway, and so the Pope has ordered them to be under them. So they, in order to stay in union with the Pope, they can't go under these people. It's an extraordinary, they have to disobey the Pope. And, you know, I'm putting disobey because it's outside the scope of his authority. Because he's only the Pope. He's only the Pope. Bishops are only bishops. Priests are only priests. There's a scope of authority. Within that authority, we must obey on any legitimate command. Not not questionable. But outside that, outside the scope of authority, it's like uh, whatever. So to give a, a comparison that's ridiculous but makes it easy to understand is if the priest gets up there and says, Everybody in my in my community is going to have to drive Volkswagen for now on. You do, you know you can't go to mass. You're going to be like whatever. What's wrong with this guy? You know it's outside your scope of authority. It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, I'm using that so people can see he doesn't have that authority. He has lots of authority, but it does not what I, what I'm driving it makes no. You know. Let's go. The Pope doesn't have the authority to tell you basically to go under non-Catholic bishops, and he just doesn't have that authority. And, and uh, okay. It doesn't have the authority to tell you to worship false gods, etc. Yeah, yeah. To go back to the thing, the people that are the example, the Chinese underground Catholics, uh, they're unbelievably solid in their faith. And they've been trusted in fire. And it's good to look at too because we're going to have that in our own way. That's absolutely coming up. And we shouldn't have any illusions. You don't have any illusions.